HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by the International Culinary Center. Culinarycenter.com. This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. We talk about food. We talk about music. With musical dudes. Finger on the pulse. Snacky tunes.
Buttons, who will be live in studio. Uh, you are listening to Snacky stu- Snacky Tunes. Oof. First show, Jitters, back 2016. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Snacky Tunes. I'm one half your host, Greg Bresnitz, uh, coming to you from a torrential downpour. Uh, oh, actually, just rained just long enough for all the guests to show up and get caught in it, and now it's, it's done. Um, first up on the show today, we have Peter Meehan, uh, the editorial director and co-founder of Lucky Peach, who I'm sure if you listen to this show... You have definitely read the magazine. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you for having me. Uh, as I was saying earlier, and just so it can officially go on record, um, I love the magazine. I love you for loving the magazine. We actually—oh, I forgot—we got uh, my mama a subscription. Really? To it. Yeah, that was like a, a, one of our. Is she going to be into it? Uh, she's going to be like, it. "Why are there all these like racist dick jokes in this food magazine? Why are you sending this to me?" Oh, uh, oh we've kind of eased up on that over yeah. the years. That's kind of the old style. Yeah, that's like more like earlier. Just I don't. Uh, maybe she like politely, uh, like turns the page. But right, right. The, the you know the in depth articles. I think she's super. Super thing. Do you guys have anywhere like all of your? Is it um, the opening of the issue where they say like "Go eat here," which is a place you would like never could remember to go to? Is that like a map anywhere that people could go to? Is there like is that a good idea that I'll be taking from this converted uh, uh, container, container? Uh, back to the office? Uh, <laughs> no, we've started doing uh, we started doing restaurant recommendations in the front of the magazine called Atlases. Yeah, that's like yeah. maybe four or five issues ago. Yeah, and then. We do. We've expanded that online, so all of those are online. And then we do more. I got some great ones from John and Vinny uh, mm. in LA mm-hmm. uh, that are going to go up this week on the site. And then, um, and then we're slowly going through. Like, uh, I wrote a travelogue piece about Hawaii. Yeah, I don't know, ten issues ago or whatever. And it's kind of on the long to do list to go through and pick out all the places mentioned in it and 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 throw them as pins on a map. Largely because, like, and I'm sure you know this as a food person, you get emails from people being like. Where should I eat in XYZ place? Yeah. And it's like the greatest thing is when you when you've sent that email before, you can go and cut and paste and be like, here's my list, go there. Yeah. You know. And you look like a superstar. Or yeah. you just like go to eat a heat map and just right. like, be like go to the, one of these places. I, I waffled back and forth 
between seeming like um, omnipresent, just in like knowing where to eat everywhere in the world, right. or just being like you know I look at the same places everyone else looks at. Right. I, I, I try to know the guy who knows where to go because there are only so, so many cities that I know. Yeah. Actually, well myself, but I feel like if you know who to you know who the person to tap into is 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 kind of the key to getting the the right recommendations in in different places. Yeah, I mean, did you um, think that you would become like a living breathing um, website for like where to eat in the entire world? Uh, <laughs> Well, or did you know that would be one of like the uh, benefits or curses of the job? When I moved to New York, I was a receptionist, and it was a company that did a bunch of different things. But one of the services that they offered was computer repair. Mm. And I was going to leave after like a year and a half or whatever because I had done enough answering of the phones. And they moved me over to fixing computers. And I found that when I learned and, – and I didn't know really how to do it. But I, I I knew enough that all my old relatives would call me when their online bridge games uh, <laughs> broke down, and so it, it taught me then that if you become any sort of any if you become associated with expertise around a topic, you will be um, you will be targeted for it often. So you know, like doing the restaurant reviewing job for the Times, it was like, okay, I'm going to be yeah, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, you're probably better suited than everybody. At, but after a while, you're like just. Look it up yourself. I, I'm. I, it is like the Eater Thirty Eight, or be like, oh, we have a whole section on our website where you can. Yeah. You, I could give you my top three recommendations by giving you that link, or you could search there. Yeah. But I, you know, it's always nice when, when people ask, and then it, I find it always funny, like being like walking around Manhattan or something, and some tourists will be like, "Where should I get pizza around here?" And I want to be like, I want to be like, you have no idea how complicated a question you just asked me. It's Wait. like. I don't think I've ever been asked by anyone like on the street, like, "Hey, where should I go?" It happens to me randomly all the time. Really? Yeah, like all the time. You know, I'll be, you know, like you'll stop and you'll see some people with a map out and you'll give them that helpful look and they'll be like, "We're just trying to find a place to have brunch." And it's like, "Oh my god, let's talk." Okay, first you want to start with prune, (laughs) right? Okay, but maybe that's not what you're into. What type of cuisine? Speaking of Johnny and Vinny, um, you're going to be doing an event with them, yeah, uh, yeah. next month uh, called Eating Out Loud. how did it? How did kind of like taking the magazine and turning it into like a real live event come about? Um, okay, so probably a year or two years. I'm old enough that I just don't remember how many years have been since something happened. Um, uh, NYC NPR, like the the local radio WNYC. station, yeah, yeah. got uh, in touch about doing uh, a show that they have at Symphony Space called um, Selected Shorts, mm-hmm. and they wanted to take you know, things from the magazine, have people read them on stage. And it was like definitely an honor and definitely f- frightening to think that Gabby Hoffman is going to be, you know, like reading something and we're going to be reading. And, but we went and did it and, and it was a thrill. Like it was, it came out really great. I mean, I remember getting ready for it and BD Wong, who's uh, an actor who was like, you know, on law and order yeah. uh, back in the day. I mean, that's right. I know his work best from, um, <laughs> he was the host and, before I went up there, I, I practiced reading my piece a couple times, and my wife was like, you sound like you have marbles in your mouth. And uh, I told B.D. Wong that before going on stage, and he was like, your wife is right. But well, he took me backstage and worked on my presentation oh. with me. But it ended up being a fun night, and it was like a success, and there were 800 people there. And, and, and so then when we were thinking about trying to create an event that was, like, we throw parties or whatever for a couple hundred people, like, kind of industry style, but, like, a public-facing event, it was like, well, let's do that. Let's do a reading from the magazine. And we had gotten to know Kevin West, um, 
who's kind of like, I don't know if he's like the artistic director, like creative director of the, the Grand Central Market in Los Angeles. Because um, John Jeremiah Sullivan had written a piece about him in mm. the magazine for the Apocalypse issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, the Grand Central Market's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing... Full disclosure, the Ace Hotel is like right down the is, street from it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I knew Grand Central Market because my, my wife... Uh, has a jewelry store and the jewelry district of Los Angeles is right down yeah. there. So like 15 years ago, I remember like killing time waiting for her to go buy like precious gemstones, like eating tacos in Grand Central Market. Um, well, and I'm sure you can appreciate it. There's a like massive chop suey restaurant there, which mm-hmm. I learned about from your page of the magazine. And it's and it's a, so it's an amazing place that's like the crossroads of like new Los Angeles things happening and like old Los Angeles. It's an amazing space, and they have this. Um, yeah, I think it's an Art Deco. I, I, my architectural eras might be off, but that's fine. It's called the, the Million Dollar Theater. This great space next mm-hmm. to it. So we, you know, they were into us doing something there, and we actually were going to do it a year ago, and we didn't have it together, so we postponed it a year. But there's going to be, you know, an hour or so of readings in the theater, and then we'll adjourn to the Grand Central Market, and there'll be some of the vendors who are, you know, just vendors there, and then we're going to have like four chef vendor collaborations. Um, we're going to talk more about this, but we're going to take a quick. Musical break. Um, we're going to hear a song from Eli Paperboy Reed, who joined us uh, twice in studio, and we'll be back to talk more about eating out loud in LA food scene. She walked in my life and tried it upside down. I hollered, hey, hey, hey. I was serious about her, but she made me a clown.
man. He's so good. He, when he came in the first time, he used a uh, plate and a fork as like his percussion. Just like, yeah. He's just wonderful, wonderful. It doesn't sound like that when I sing. Yeah. Um, so uh, one of the things I always think that's like a really trick is to take like the pages come to life type of approach for that where you're not just like you know reading from that or you know curating from like you know which articles work well or like how did you choose or have you chosen yet like the articles and like what went into that process um for what will be read live during the event um you know i think i mean i, I want to working with the symphony space people they picked things that i wouldn't have picked mm. and that was certainly instructive uh in in picking things for this event but also i knew the talent um like we have Eric Wareheim is going to read, and I love Eric Wareheim, yeah. and 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 then Jack Pendarvis, who's a great humor writer. I mean, great writer, but writes really funny things. Uh, had written this travel log about an oyster, and it ends with like fiery diarrhea. And I'm like, this is something that like <laughs> Eric Wareheim could have fun with. And I yeah. know, I think he knows Jack. Like, I think that like triangulating those sorts of things uh, would be good. But then also like Jonathan Gold uh, has written a few things for the magazine, and I and I. We're buddies, and I love him dearly. And when I was talking to him about it, his wife, Lori Ochoa, had a quarterly called Slake in Los Angeles for four issues. And he was like, I wrote this story for Slake about a painting of fruit at like one of the museums there. It's like a, a Renaissance still life. And, uh, and, he, you know, and I got it from Lori, and I read it, and I'm like, this story, which is, you know, this analysis of this painting and still life's a fruit and what it looks like and ends with like kind of a dirty kicker is going to be a better piece read live than, you know, one of the great things that he's written for us. And I think that like opening up, uh, the, the, what we were doing to reflect the talent and make the best evening of it, you know, also like I've always wanted lucky peach to be, you know, curatorial in what we're bringing together for it, and I would, I would excerpt that that story from. I would run that story from Slake in Lucky Peach or on LuckyPeach dot com. So no reason to exclude it from the event. And then with like Kim Gordon, um, I, I I've known Kim for years, and I guess we're friends, but it makes me I can't say I'm friends with Kim <laughs> no, Gordon because it's yeah. like you yeah. know like knowing a deity or something. So uh, <laughs> I sent her this like really like rambling apologetic email being oh we're doing this event you know she lives out in LA now and you know would you mind doing it and you know and kind of jokingly I'm like if you wanted to you could instead of reading something you could just like bring your guitar and play noise of like over a recipe and then I saw her when we did a we like did, someone reading a recipe like yeah like reading a recipe but I'm like you know like I'm thinking of like what she does with body head or something yeah. like just use fragments of words from this recipe and like like throw on a couple distortion, you know, and like be Kim Gordon noise God. And, uh, and I saw her when I was out in LA in November and she's like, yeah, you got to send me some recipes. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Like, and I was like, Oh shit, she's actually going to bring her guitar. So I think that like, there's also a deep pleasure. What recipes did you send her? Um, I don't, I think Priya who, who works at lucky peach actually handled it. And I think that, I wrote. I think that it's going to end up being a, a haiku recipe that I wrote in the first issue okay. about uh, like miso ramen. Um, so it's like a poem recipe, and and yeah, and it's just like exciting to me. Also, you know, I mean, you understand like bringing your interest in food and music together. The idea that there's going to be a thousand what a great concept like food people in a theater expecting food entertainment and they're going to get like a Kim Gordon noise performance. Like to me that, that feels yeah. like a, a yeah. win, whether or not they enjoy it as much as I do. 
is really on them. Um, and the event's sold out, which is great. Which is, yeah, which is... Which is another, like, big win for the L.A. dining scene, which just continues to, like, grow unbelievably. Yeah, I mean, the whole cultural scene in L.A., I mean, whatever, it's trite at this point to say how cool <laughs> it is there. But I think that, you know, like, if you look at it, if, if you were, I mean, you know, I'm from Chicago, I, I was moving to New York, but I could afford to move to New York in the late 90s. Like, right. I couldn't afford to move to New York now, but you could move to to some part of L.A. and you could have, like, a a warehouse into your installation. I mean, I think that there's just a lot of cool people doing cool stuff there in addition to all the Hollywood bullshit that is like the core of LA life, you know? Yeah. And how did you um, pick the chefs for this? Which I feel like that would probably be harder than like who's going to read or like what goes into that thought process. I mean, there was, you know, there's like a couple of people you ask who say no. Um, but like, you know, Brooks had just opened Superiority Burger, so we Shout wanted... Shout out to Brooks. You know, he's... he's. Um, yeah. I used to, I mean, yeah, I've been, a, I've been a fan for a while, and so getting him to do it was, was cool, and then Jessica Kozlow at Squirrel is somebody who I've gotten to know pretty quickly over the last six months, but she's just great, and she was down to do it, and then... You know, I mean, I, I guess so. It was kind of just reaching out to people in the community. But now that I look at the list, I'm like, oh man, I w-, you know, I wish we had Nancy Silverton. I wish we had, you know, like I mean, Jeremy Fox is having just had a baby, so like I didn't think it was like the greatest time to be asking Jeremy to do something. But there's so many people in LA, and then like if I was in LA, I would have like driven out to Chengdu Taste and tried to like convince those guys to yeah. come down. So yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, you guys already have you guys have already laid the groundwork by just doing such great articles on these on these people. Um, that like it'd be interesting to see that, but I mean that just turns in that's just like, another idea that you can steal and just create, uh, yeah create I, a I would. But we yeah, can talk for five minutes afterwards. I'll give you like twenty ideas. Uh, yeah, I, I would love. I mean that's I, I really 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 love Los Angeles. I was trying to move there last year, and now my my daughter's in a great public school that we love, and we're probably going to be here for years. But do you have any places? I'm I'm asking you where are you going to go when you go out there to eat? Um. Where am I going to go when I go out there? I am going to go to Golden Deli for pho one morning for sure. And then, I, I mean, I have a... I generally... I take most of my meals with Mr. Gold when I'm there. Like, oh. we just, like, you know... That has to be a guy who gets asked all the time. All the time. But yeah. his answer is, like, I, you know, sometimes people ask me, and, like, you know, there's a special category of referral people where it's like, oh, I got to get them the right answers. I go to Gold. And then he's, you know... You know, you do the, you know, you kind of profile the person a little bit and then you get the, the tailored recommendations. But I think I'm going to, I think we're going to have an issue on FUD next year. So I'm going to try to do a lot of, uh, you know, might go down to Orange County a couple of days. Um, I would, you know, I'm trying to think of places I would like to go. I mean, everyone loves Jelena. I haven't been there. I would like to go. Their, their place, Gusta, is um, amazing. I'm, I kind of like lost my mind when I'm in there because I just wanted to buy everything. You just wanted it. We all. just want, I mean, they it. really, like, it looks like it's, just a beautifully designed space. The food's really good. It's like exciting because you can see the cooking, and they like they kind of have like all the, the check marks there. But like Chengdu Taste, I would I would go back to. I'll probably go back there. I'm going to be out in LA a bunch in February, so when I'm out there with my family, I'll probably take my my wife there, but not my children because they would be scarred by the <laughs> Sichuan eating experience. Um, yeah, and I mean like San Gabriel Valley stuff, East LA stuff is really what I get. M- what I spend more of my time eating in LA and also just like, I never think about making reservations. So yeah. I like to go to places that you can just walk into cause I'm kind of disorganized. I and- think the one thing that's interesting about LA is that everyone, unlike New York, everyone seems to eat at the same time. Mm. It's kind of like France where like, like you could not get an 8 PM 
reservation at Bestia without three for three months, right. but you go at ten o'clock. And they're like so happy to see you, right? That's yeah, that's the thing in LA. It's like if you wait till nine forty five, you could you can eat any you can eat at literally any seat in any restaurant. It's it's like uh, it took me a while to kind of figure that out, but it, it's kind of crazy because you know New York, you're just like, well, you know, just don't go at like don't go at like eight ish. Yeah, you could probably you know. If you go at 7 anywhere in New York and sit down. Yeah, my wife, my wife went uptown to see a play last night, and I'm like, oh, go to Yakitori Toto. And they got there at 6 instead of 5.30 when it opens, and there was an hour and a half wait. Yeah. I'm like, how is there an hour and a half wait for chicken skewers? But it's, you know, but it's Manhattan. It's like you can't. Everyone, like, there's enough people here that if, like, just a small percentage of people have the same idea. Yeah. It's that. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on. It's sold out, but... Priya said we could give away a couple tickets. We, we should give away some tickets. Okay, so um, if you want to, I don't know. What do? You, what should we do? Well, is, oh, is there like a like someone? Does I was like a little bit of a bar barrier to entry. What is a barrier to entry? Um, oh, maybe if someone can just uh, tweet at us or you like their best LA recommendation, and if it's interesting, you never heard of it, that could win. That could win. Okay. Okay, yeah. good. I was going to go with some sort of L.A. hair metal quiz from the late 80s. Oh. But, but I think I think that, that the best place that neither of us knows about in Los Angeles wins. Yeah. And okay. you, you pick it because I think you know the city better than I do. At like, I'm like, I'm like two eater lists and like five days <laughs> ahead of you. Um, well, I want to thank you for coming on. And, and I will say it again. Thanks for making Lucky Peach. Oh, thank you so it much. Really, like, it really is one of my favorite magazines, and I do actually read it cover to cover. That's insane. Thank you. Thank you for reading it, and thank you for saying that. It makes it worth making. Um, and also the Frank Spatino manual, just because it's, it's just it's it's the best. It's good on the weeknights. It's really, it's really good. Um, well, we have another track um, from Snacky Tunes live, and then we will have Loose Buttons uh, in studio talking about uh, upcoming releases, uh, their show last night, and some other New York band stuff. We'll be right back. Thank you.
Back to Snacky Tunes. Uh, we're here with Loose Buttons live in studio. Hello, boys. How's it going? Hey. What's going on? Uh, you want to go around the room and introduce yourselves? Yes. Uh, I'm Eric. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. I am Emmanuel Silverstein. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zach. And I'm Adam. Oh, yeah, we can, we can in, in hear the you distance. from back. Yeah, in the back. I'm, I always feel like the drummers get like the short end of the stick. They're just like, yeah, just shove them in the back corner. Don't say anything. <laughs> Um, well, thanks for joining us. Thank you uh, on our first show back in 2016 on this like oddly rainy, but season unseasonably warm day. Um, you guys have just played Knitting Factory this week, right? Yeah, we played it yesterday. How was the show? It was amazing. Define fan- amazing. The fans were out of control. It was a beautifully packed room for us. You know, we really feed off the crowd's energy. Yeah, fans were great. Well, uh, how far into the show? Did you guys, like, pick up on the energy, like, okay, this is, like, not your average show? What song do you think? I would, say, I would say before the show. Yeah, maybe. Like, we could tell there was, there was a couple other bands playing with us, and, and like, everyone was, there was, like, there was a little baby who was just kind of, like, on someone's shoulders, like, jumping up in the crowd, and from then on, we just knew it was... It she was, was adorable, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> she was four years old, and, like... Were they responsible parents and, like, had the oversize... Uh, no, that's the crazy no. thing. She was four years old, not even earplugs. I can't... Not I even can't earplugs, ab- bottle I can't, jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, can't abide by it. 
Like, yeah. you know, like that to me just seems like, you know, like bring your kid out. But I think it's adorable when it when a baby I, also wears the I, headphones. Too. I think it's like a strong look. Like, yeah. I think like <laughs> we strong. as adults <laughs> would not be able to pull it off. Like you could not go in there like, hey, how's it going? Like, take off your headphones, please. You <laughs> exactly. exactly. Say, but kid, up to a certain age, um, I have seen um, fathers who are still in bands, less heavy fav, like strap their kids to their chest when they were babies and like they had the <laughs> yeah, yeah. headphones on. I, I mean, I wish her parents put those headphones on. Yeah. Or know? maybe they forgot them or I don't know. I mean, the hearing's going to go one way or the other. Exactly. You just want to like hold it off uh, as long as possible. Exactly. exactly. Um, so how did you guys all, all meet? And You grew up together, right? Yeah. So I have known Zach now for like 11 years, 12 years. We've been playing music for pretty much that long. Yeah. So these guys are 50 for people who are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we met in sixth grade and like literally like I think the second day of school Zach and I just started playing music together and we've been doing it ever since and then uh you know we played music in high school and then when we went off to separate colleges we still wanted to keep it going Mm -hmm. um and I went to the University of Miami and uh my freshman year roommate is this guy right here Manny and uh we then (laughs) we brought him on board and then we stole the best drummer on campus to round us out and now we've got swagman jones aka adam uh sitting <laughs> in the back corner how has um it's interesting it's it's like you know it's like young love in a sense like you you know you grow together so did you guys push each other um like to develop differently or how did you guys develop um your writing your writing um talent like your skills like were you like hey man you got to practice a little bit more like i'm getting <laughs> a little bit better than you like how did that kind of evolve over the years definitely uh i mean Zach is probably pushes me um, subtly and subconsciously probably the most <laughs> of any member in this band. And uh, definitely, like, it's this kind of this back and forth where we kind of wa- I watch him grow because, you know, he went to a different college as me. So he, whenever we'd meet back, you know, during our breaks, I'd see how much he's grown as a musician. And that's my motivation to then catch up to him. And I can't speak for him, but that's kind of my motivation there a little bit well yeah i mean i i went to a very different school i went to wesleyan i don't know if anyone yeah you know wesleyan. i've been there yeah yeah it's a kind of a crazy place so huge music scene mm-hmm. a lot of weird music so yeah. so but but we kind of took that you know as an advantage i'd say and like exactly kind of expanded our horizons in while we were at school so exactly uh cool let's hear a song Perfect. why don't you play us a, a tune we love tunes let's okay great what are you gonna play first what about Thrill? Let's do it. Okay, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I came up with that one. Uh, loose Buttons, live on Snacky Tunes. Oh, I 
guys been playing together for since sixth grade are there any songs that have stayed uh or like what's the oldest song you guys play or have you had to retire uh some of the older tunes or all of them we retire a lot of songs yeah. <laughs> much to the chagrin of a lot of a our lot older of fans. Are gone. <laughs> yeah thankfully we're in a prolific writing period now so oh so yeah so our newer shows we're playing more of our our new songs oh, okay yeah. the new the music the is there like anyone in particular that's still like a point of like please like I want to keep playing it, but everyone else is kind of like, mm, past its past its prime. Hmm. Well, we have like the the opposite scenario. We have a song that the people want us to play a lot that we don't really want to play a lot as much. No, we have another one though that I want to 
Playhouse. Oh, oh. Retro, Retrobox. We, but we, no one else wants we to have play a, a Zach versus the rest of us, one of those. You guys well. can check out Retrobox. It's on YouTube. It's, it's really good. It's, it's really, really good. good. might not be on YouTube anymore. <laughs> An unfinished song. That, oh, okay. Uh, so what is the, I mean, and, and having like such like a long history, like what is the writing process or how do you guys put it together? We pretty much, you know, we'll have the initial idea either come from, you know, Zach or myself and we'll bring that in. And then it's not really a loose button song until the rest of the members put their little mark on it. You know, it's not a loose button song until Manny comes up with a beautiful bass line or Swagman with a, with a beat <laughs> that keeps it going. So that's pretty much how the songwriting works. And then we build these pieces on top of each other. And, um, you know, they go through many different versions until it's the perfect one. But yeah, it usually starts with kind of either, I would say like a lot of riffs these days, like yeah. riffs over even melodies. So mm. we'll write like most of the music before we even throw a melody on top mm-hmm. or vice versa. The melody and then everything else will grow from Exactly, that. exactly. And you guys have a, a new song coming out this week too, right? Yeah, we have Crowded Room. Uh, it's coming out on, you, on Yahoo Music, right? Yahoo, Yahoo Music. Um, and what's the story behind that song? That song is kind of, uh, lyrically, it's about this daydream, in a sense, where, you know, you see a beautiful lady in the crowd, and uh, you kind of just automatically have these visions of your future with her. Mm. And then, um, but these futures do not come true. At the end of the day, she's just another girl with another guy. Can we hear it? We'd love to play it for you. Thank you. We'd love to. Crowded, but you 
very nice. Thank you, thank you. So on top of uh, that coming up, you guys have an EP coming out in the spring. That's the plan. Um, <laughs> How much of a plan is that? Which we try to stick by, but yeah. you know we're usually a few months off of what our actual <laughs> target date is. But we're yeah we're in the studio right now. We just built our own studio in Long Island City. Oh, amazing! Yeah, so we're um, so we're in there working. What, what went into that process? We pretty much uh, took a storage room and uh, like, is it in a storage? It's building? literally in a storage facility. Is that fine? It sounds yeah. not fine. It, it's, <laughs> it's technically a, legal. Okay. It's a space where a lot of bands are. It's, oh, okay. They, like, okay. It's actually a thing. A lot of bands do that. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of one of the few places where you can be loud. Exactly. Right. And I guess like you can. It's just space. Exactly. And power. Right. Exactly. So we went in there, and uh, we're now in the process of making the aesthetics look nice. And uh, you got to dress up like a exactly. storage space. Exactly. We Some just Christmas put Christmas lights. Yeah, Christmas lights all over the place. Classic Christmas light. Uh, and what was the decision to build your own versus like going into um, you know working with the producer, going into another studio? Well, and we're still we're still in that process right now. But we we thought it was smart for us to do the writing ourselves, really lock ourselves in a room and the four of us hash it out. Yeah, and then bring in a fifth voice mm. to to then round it out a little bit more. And we're in the process now of talking to a bunch of different producers. We'll see. You know, we've been talking to Rick Rubin. And, uh, <laughs> is it just is it one room, or did you, were you able to subdivide the no, space? No, it's one room. Oh, interesting. It's really more of a rehearsal slash writing space than a recording yeah. space. Okay, yeah. so you're not going to record the record in there? Or you... Probably not. Don't okay. think so. Yeah. It's really interesting. I mean, it's amazing like just how you can get so much further along these days. Do any of you have like um, production background or like the tech? Actually, Manny is the one that mixes all of our music. Um, thus far. Thus least. far, yeah. So all the recordings we've had, it's been it's been Manny. Uh, do you feel? Do you uh, mix with an iron ear, um, or do you? Are you open to uh, suggestions? I definitely open to su- uh, <laughs> suggestions. Uh, I think currently one of our issues is we, you know, when you totally self-produce something and mm-hmm. you have unlimited power and unlimited time to edit it and work on it, mm-hmm. sometimes that's like too much power. Yeah, and you can get sort of caught in a loop of, well, let's go back and make it better. Let's go back and make it better. This is our art. It must be as art and good as possible. (laughs) Sometimes that constraint of, like, we only have a week to make this record or, like, we have no money or things like that. Like, at some point, it's never going to be 100%. You capture capture a time. Yeah. And that's something that we haven't been doing. And and that's something we're definitely, we're looking to do with this new EP. We want to most likely have someone that isn't me produce (laughs) it and do it in a much more, like, focused short period of time and yeah have it not be something that we can spend months and months going back to and then be like actually like i really hate the bridge let's just throw it out and write a new bridge and yeah which is something that we've done before maybe you guys can buy like a giant um like stop clock or just like a countdown clock and install it in the space and be like we have to just stick actually to this. a genius idea genius yeah do you want to be our producer because <laughs> no, i'll just throw out the ideas in there but it, it is interesting to think about creative projects where like at some point it's like this long tail of like yeah. never like oh i guess i could play like you know a quarter note instead of a full note and maybe exactly. just like can we just open this back up or exactly. everything and sometimes it's just good to have somebody like you're done yeah yeah and i think also just as a band we've evolved a little bit our first ep two years ago i think we were trying to be like really a kind of artsy fartsy with the whole thing <laughs> i mean wesleyan and- <laughs> and um right now even songwriting wise as a band we feel like we're trying to be a little bit more like raw live indie mm-hmm. rock fun where it almost 
like, you know, you don't need the record to have, like, you know, beautiful string arrangements or anything like that. It should just be, like, energetic and fun. And if you listen back and you're like, oh, that guitar's a little too loud, it's like, who cares? It's fine. It's not a big deal. It's rock and roll, baby, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I want to make sure... Oh, you're going to say something? I was going to say that rock and roll is actually our favorite sport. Yes, thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> and I needed to get that in because yeah. it's, it's so true. It's your favorite sport? It's our yeah. favorite sport, yeah. We play it really hard, and uh, <laughs> we've gotten good at it. Um, we do drills. Yeah, we do rock and roll drills. What are your rock and roll drills? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much uh, play to a click at rehearsal. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we're getting good at it. It's amazing. Um, well, I want to make sure we have time to get in... One more song. Um, where can people find the first two piece shows? Um, get all the uh, information. Definitely like us on uh, on Facebook. Uh, search the band Loose Buttons. SoundCloud. SoundCloud definitely. And uh, if you pretty much go to those two areas, you will have all the information that you need. Awesome. Um, well, I want to thank Peter for joining us. Uh, please write in LA suggestions to win two free tickets to the sold out festival. Shout out to my family. Shout out to my girlfriend. Why not? That's what it's all about. Happy 2016, guys. Yeah. You too. It's going to be you. a good year. Happy New um, Year. What are you going to take us out with? Uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, two this one's still being played. This one's still being yeah, played. Yeah, okay, very much. One Thanks the, for coming by. Thank you so much. Spend some time, a little bit of money Capture the ride You'll hold the lens and let's pretend when he's never coming I'm in some dream, living in your company I'm in some dream, living in your company Tools that are
wants him for loving we go programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.